Welcome to Gun Show. From flintlock to full auto and everything in between. That is Michael Helms. He is a firearms historian, and my name is Jason Dias. I'm a U.S. Army and combat veteran. Welcome to a gun show without the politics and the unnecessary bravado. That's right. That holiday music can only mean one thing. It's the Christmas season. And guys like Michael and myself sit around going, if only Santa could bring me my dream, you know, handgun and or rifle this year. What would it be? But we're going to and we're going to talk about that. We're going to do that in a minute. But, Michael, in a way, I kind of got my dream handgun this year uh, a little before Christmas. And it, it'll, it won't surprise you what it is, but it might surprise you that for a long time I was very anti-Glock because everybody told me to get one. I've always been a bit of a contrarian. I've always wanted to do things differently. But after much research and range time, I'm, I'm proud to tell you I'm the proud owner of a Glock 22 in 40 cal. And it is, again, you said I could use this word on our first episode. It is a beautiful weapon. It is an absolutely beautiful weapon. Eat where the police officers eat, carry what they carry, and I could not be happier with a handgun. I absolutely love it. You know, you you're, you really can't go wrong with that. Um, the Glock 22, it's a it's a duty weapon on, you know, I don't know how many thousands of police officers' belts. It's battle-proven, literally and figuratively, and you, you'll never go wrong with it. I made one little modification. I got a little, I don't know what you call it. It's like a little rubber grip that I put on it. I'm not the yeah. biggest guy in the world, but I, I can palm an NBA basketball with both hands. And this grip, this rubber grip that I put on uh, the handle has just, it just again, a little like the M16A1, I just feel like it's locked in. I just feel like it's locked in to me. And my first time out on the range, the first five or six shots were just dead red. And I was like, I'm sold. This is the one. And so that's what that's what I'm carrying. So in a, in a way, in a way, I sort of did get my dream handgunned for Christmas this year. But of course, I want to ask you as our firearms historian, it's Christmas morning. You're coming down to the Christmas tree. Michael, if Santa could bring you your dream handgun and or rifle, what would they be and why? Let's talk about it. Yeah, so I'm, I'm actually going to start with rifle, even though I'm, I'm more of a handgun guy. But, you know, on the rifle, I kind of got it down to two choices. I'm actually curious to hear what your take would be on this. <laughs> the first one is the Smith & Wesson FPC. Um, this is their little 9mm um, folding carbine rifle, and it's, it's just really cool. And I know, you know, the, the first thing a lot of people are going to say is, that's stupid. Why would you, why would you buy a rifle <laughs> and a pistol cartridge? <laughs> you know, it's sort of, you know, you're, you're sort of hamstringing yourself out of the gate. Um, but the truth is, most of us have a lot of 9mm ammunition sitting around. It's something that we shoot a lot in our, uh, you know, in our day-to-day -day pistols. Um, and having a rifle in the same caliber just, you know, that sort of simplifies the logistics a little bit. Um, but the SPC is just a really cool rig. Um, it's got that neat folding frame on it, and I know a lot of people will say, well, it's a lot like the Keltec, except the Smith & Wesson folds the right way, so you can actually put optics <laughs> on top of it, and I'm running a, you know, a little Holosun uh, uh, sight on it. So I think 
I think it would be between the Smith & Wesson FPC and uh, Marlin, which of course is now owned by Ruger, um, reintroduced the 336, the classic lever action gun, and ah. that is just cool. I am so thrilled to see lever actions coming back. And, and, you know, I've even seen on social media some people are doing sort of like tactical builds of lever actions, which is just all sorts of right and wrong all mixed up. In one. Um, well, I, I, what, what I are the chances? What are the chances? Yeah. What are the chances that you would say um, a uh, Marlin lever action? And I've got the sound effect right here. Got it right here. I well, have a Marlin yeah. lever action. But yes, I love the lever action. This goes back many, many years, Michael. Back, and I would say maybe 2015, 2014 timeframe, having all the problems. Uh, with the ISIS guys over in the Middle East, and I had actually found a place. You know, you can go on these Christian mission trips to dig wells or to build schools or whatever, but, you know, I wasn't going to go over there and try to be the guy storming the trenches or anything like that. I thought at the very least I could be there in a support capacity with logistics and getting water and food up to the people that were fighting. There was this German company that was, was helping you get onto the battlefield of Syria. You had to fly through Germany and Turkey to get there I was very involved and I was very serious about it, but I knew I wanted a rifle and I didn't want a, I didn't want a, a tactical rifle necessarily. I wanted something that I could rely on. I know from my time in the Middle East, the standard AR rifles are very, very susceptible to the climactic conditions over there. And so I wanted something that was proven and reliable. And that's when I went out and bought that Marlin 3030. And I'll never forget the condescending knucklehead at the academy telling me that it wasn't a tactical weapon. And I said, well, you might want to check with the Plains Indians on that one, because in reality, the lever action is very much a tactical weapon. And so I was not aware that a renaissance is going on in lever action. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, you know, I I think it's just one of those, you know, what's what's old is new again. And, you know, the, the... I guess we'll call it the tactical rifle space or the modern sporting rifle space or whatever you want to call it, you know, Air-15s and the AK platform, I mean, it's been so done. And, you know, look, that will that space will continue to evolve, and I think that's great, as it should. Um, but I think, you know, everybody's got an AK or an AR in their gun safe somewhere. Um, right. And I think people were just looking for something new and different. And, you know, again, when Marlin got scooped up by, uh, by Ruger, I think it was, I was in 2022, I think, um, you know, they took a bit of a running, uh, a bit of a running start. And I think they, um, uh, they wanted to redeploy the lever action, but they, you know, they wanted to put some care and love into it and make sure that this was going to be a yes. really, really solid re-release. And I think they knocked it out of the park. I think they did a really good job with that. Um, I was thrilled to see that it's chambered in 3030. That's just, you know, that's, Classic. You don't get more. Yeah, you don't get more classic no. than that. Um, but it, but it is a great-looking rifle. It's got good sights on it. Um, I've actually not shot one at the range, but I've, I've handled one uh, on a number of occasions. It's got a great trigger on it. The action is very smooth, <laughs> and I think a lot of people have just have rediscovered it now. It's, wow, this is really cool. I, 
you know, people people remember their grandpa having one of those or whatever. But oh, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, five years ago, it wasn't it wasn't what you and I went into the gun store and uh, and, and looked at. Yeah, exactly. So I think, well, I think remember what I said. Being that <laughs> contrarian, I was the contrarian eight years ago. I guess I was sort of the, the early adopters. So and I mean, the thirty thirty is a beautiful round. I'm looking at my red tipped Hornady rounds, and and there's no there's no concern about the stopping power of a 3030. The 30 will bring down any gigantic bear moose or anything in the northern hemisphere. It'll certainly it'll certainly take on the um, any human target if you're in that unfortunate situation. And then by the way, I never made it over to Assyria. It was just it just got too complicated and too expensive and trying to get to stop and wait and get all your weapons approved in Germany and I was like it's just not it's just not worth the time and, and sure. energy. But I kept the I kept the rifle. I don't hunt so I don't I don't really use it for anything other than going to the range and scaring the bejesus out of everybody firing the ARs because it's so much louder <laughs> than all the other. It's, yeah. it's a 20, 20 inch barrel carbine. It's a hand cannon. It, uh, it makes a lot of noise in that tunnel over at the McQueenie Gun Club. Those are two solid choices, by the way. I'm looking at the Smith & Wesson, the FPC 9mm folding carbine, and that is yeah. just a beautiful, beautiful weapon to look at. So we've got your rifles out of the way. Is there something Santa could bring you? I know you're a renaissance man when it comes to handguns, so this is going to be tough to pick one, but what would it be? You know, it's been a good year for handguns. There's a lot of new stuff that's out, and there's, you know, and there's a lot of old stuff that... Uh, that continues to be popular. So, you know, I got the list down to three on this. That was, that was the best I could do. So I think in the, in the spirit of opening up with, uh, with polymer pistols, which is where we, where we started talking about, I'm going to, I'm just going to go with the old Smith and Wesson M and P. Um, they're in the second generation now, uh, you know, full size duty pistol. And, you know, this, this really gets into like a religious debate between the Smith and the Glock. (laughs) They're both excellent weapons. I own several of each. Um, and, and I shoot them both regularly. The Smith has always had the advantage that you don't have to pull the trigger on an empty chamber before you field strip the gun. Um, so if that's important to you, I guess the M&P has a little bit of an edge there. Um, something that I really like was, you know, Smith & Wesson did not come out of the gate strong with polymer pistols. Uh, they essentially knocked off the clock at first, and I think got sued pretty, uh, uh, pretty harshly for it. In the early 2000s, Smith & Wesson, I think, they smartly paused and realized that if they were going to get into the polymer game, they really had to take a running leap. And they, they spent a couple of years completely redeveloping uh, the polymer pistol. They actually worked with General Dynamics on it. This was in anticipation of a military contract that I don't think happened, but they brought out the M&P in 2007, and it has just been a solid pistol ever since then. So, you know, when people ask me what guns should should they buy, I say usually either an M&P or a Glock, because you're not going to go wrong with nice. either of those. No, they, you're not. They, they live on police officers' duty belts. You know, they're, they're just, they're solid, and they just keep getting better yeah. over time. You know, the the basic design is good, but they, they tweak them and they refine them, and they just, you know, there's, there's few little rough edges they keep uh, they keep working out on them. So I really like the M&P full size. I think if I was going to go a little bit fancier than that, Wilson Combat, and I'm a, I'm a 1911 guy. I love my 1911. I know that. I know you love your 1911. <laughs> and Wilson Combat has a gun out called the SFX-9, which is their compact carry 1911 in 9mm. I think right now that's one of the best pistols on the market, hands down. I've shot it extensively. I love it. 
it works. It works really well. They, they fixed a couple things on the 1911 that I don't love, one of them being the, um, the, the little takedown pin that you have to pull out. It's always a, always a pain in the neck to get back in. Sometimes it's a pain right. in the neck to get back out. It's really easy on the Wilson. They, again, they just they, they smoothed out some of those rough edges, and it's a really, really fantastic pistol. So I think if Santa was feeling, and it's it's well into four figures, I think it's in the 20-something <laughs> hundred dollar range. So, you know, Santa would have to be a little bit deeper pocketed for that. And I think my third choice would be the Menorin MR73. It's a French revolver. They're, they're not really ah, revolver. Well known in the yes, States. I'm going to pick a revolver yeah. too. So good. <laughs> Yeah, but the um, the MR73, it's it's a French revolver. It's actually used by the French, and I I don't know the name of them, but it would be you know, it would be the French police equivalent of like our SWAT team. They carry right. these revolvers, and they're they're wow. they're extraordinarily proficient with them. So again, anybody who says this is not a tactical weapon doesn't know what they're talking about with revolvers. <laughs> and you know, they they some of them trickle their way into the United States. There's not a lot of them here, and they don't have huge brand name recognition, but I think, you know, hey, if the sky was the limit, I would uh, I would ask Santa for wow. one of those. I cool. That's that's like those are all great, great calls. Hey folks, we're gonna take a quick break and when we get back, Michael's gonna ask you about my Christmas wish list and we're gonna do it all right after this. Hey there, you're listening to our Christmas special edition of Gun Show. The gun show without the politics and the unnecessary bravado. Whatever you shoot, shoot straight, shoot safe, and Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and a prosperous New Year to you and yours from Jason and Michael. All right, so which... Um what, what would you want under the tree? Let's. I mean, all right. I'm going to do the same thing. Let's start yes. with rifles. I'm going to do you. I'm going to do what you do. I'm going to start with the rifle. I've only got one this year. I thought about it. IQ. I was making a list. I was actually checking it twice. What yep. I've selected for this year is the good old-fashioned pre-M16 rifle, the M14 rifle 7.62 caliber nato i had an opportunity to fire that when i was down at the ranger school in fort benning and kind of like the renaissance of the lever action the heavier round the 3030 having fired so much 556 to get that m14 and just to feel that that slug power you knew this was one shot and that person is going to go down and that wasn't always the case with 556 but the M14 was a, it was a beautiful weapon. It was incredibly powerful. And yet, for whatever reason, I never felt like the recoil was affecting my aim. It shot true. Um, I didn't zero. I just picked it up. They said, hey, do you want to try this? I said, absolutely. I'd love to try this. My dad carried in basic training. And, and I just absolutely loved it. And it was knocking down targets uh, well beyond 300 meters. And it was just a very, very powerful, accurate weapon. And if there was, and if it's, it's not for personal protection or anything, just the joy of shooting it again, I would love it if Santa would bring me the M14. I'd love to know if you have any thoughts on the M14. It kind of is the, the, the stepchild because everyone loves the M1 Garand from World War II and the M16 era. The M14 kind of gets lost in all of that. It absolutely does get lost. And, you know, I, I had a bit of a facepalm moment when you said it. I was like, oh, yeah, that's such a great choice. And, <laughs> and one that so many people, you know, and, and you're right, it gets lost between the Garand, which, of course, you know, gets, gets a lot of attention and it deserves it. 
and then the introduction of the M16 and the M M14 just really gets lost in that. But that's <coughs> that's a great choice. Mm -hmm. You know, probably the last of the great American battle rifles. You know, the M the M16 was a very was a very different weapon. But that's that's a really neat choice. I like that. I'm I'm yeah. I might go back and scratch it. It was uh, it was many years later. It was many years later. But have you ever seen the movie? Black Hawk Down in that famous scene yes. where the two Delta operators are fighting from the helicopter that's been down, you'll notice one of them is carrying the old M14. And it's, it, you know, it's just, it fit a honking round. It puts people down. There's no doubt about it. If you put, you know, those were the days before anybody was really wearing body armor. Not that any body armor that I'm aware of would stop the M14 round. But it was just a powerful, powerful weapon. A little ungainly. I mean, it would not be something I don't want to carry through an urban battlefield because of the length of the weapon. But in terms of accuracy and just reliability, it was, it was just a great, fun weapon to fire. And so, yep, if Santa's feeling feeling really friendly, maybe he'll maybe he'll leave one of those under the tree this year. And as I mentioned, I've never fired a shotgun. Still, I've still never pulled the trigger on a shotgun. There's a little store in town, Michael, right around the corner from me that sells ammo and used firearms. On the wall at this present time, they have a Sega semi-automatic shotgun and it's going to take all of my willpower not to go over and get that because it has the 10 and 20 round magazine that it comes with and that is just an awful lot of firepower in your hands that is but they are very very cool i've actually i had one chance to fire one uh, i don't know it was a year or two ago and it was really grin inducing you sort of can't help it after the second or third round you're like oh this is fun this is a lot of fun. <laughs> so, yeah. So you've actually fired one. I've never fired one. Like I said, I've never I fired have. any shot. I have. For that matter. Wow, yeah. that, that is really cool. So, And then, to wrap things up, I thought about this a long time, too, and there's only two. The, the first one would be the standard old Beretta 9mm. It's what I, it's what I shoulder-holstered in the Army. Yep. I loved it. I loved the Beretta. I loved the way it felt. I loved the way it shot. Again, more of a pick owing to my tendency to romanticize my time in the military. So getting that Beretta 9mm, great weapon. And then I thought about this again, uh, being a little sentimental here recently. This goes way back, and I've decided maybe I'll tell the full story uh, on a future episode. But back in high school, I, I graduated from high school in 1985. My, my senior year in high school, for reasons I, I, I know why, but it was an unfortunate situation. I, I'd never been bullied before, Michael, ever. I wasn't a bully. I'd never been bullied. I was, got along pretty well with everybody. A situation that got very, very tense, and rifles were used to fire some warning shots over my head out in the woods when I was fishing one day. And because I was only 17 when I graduated from high school, I was not old enough to purchase a handgun by myself. You had to be 18 in those days. And I went to the, my, the shoe store that I worked at at the mall and asked my manager, who was older than me, really great guy, who, you know, on occasion would buy me the occasional six-pack or whatever, you know, cigarettes and things like that, yeah, if I yeah. gave him money. If I gave him money, would he buy me a pistol? And this is Texas in 1985. Michael, I'm not exaggerating. Yep. Less than 15 minutes later, he was back from Montgomery Ward with a Taurus 32 caliber five-shot revolver. 
And <laughs> in 1985, we did not have social media. We had something that was even faster, something that moved even faster than social media. We had rumors. And by the next day, every single person at Judson High School knew that I had acquired this and all the bullying stopped. It changed everything. And it, it made me appreciate for the first time that a handgun properly, well, it wasn't properly purchased, but I didn't go threaten anybody with it. Just having it was such a deterrent that it changed the entire dynamic of my senior year for the better. And it was the first handgun I ever owned. I had it with me. I took it everywhere with me when I was in the Army. It was in my pocket during my one firefight in the Battle of Kofji when I did my self-assessment on the way out of town. I said, I've got about 72 rounds of M16 ammo, but but I've got those five trusty rounds in my, I think you were the original five rounds in that 32 caliber Taurus five shot revolver. And it was, it was stolen out of my car many, many years later. So what I would love to have that very one, that serial number, the Montgomery Ward sporting goods desk at Windsor Park Mall, <laughs> later, later the home of Rack Space in Northeast San Antonio and, and kept on the hip of a, a, a 17 year old and then a young adult and a soldier. And I would just love to have that old revolver back. That's more of a sentimental pick for me, though, Michael. Interesting. Good choice. And they were good revolvers. They were good revolvers back there. They actually still are. They. Yeah. Yep. Well, Michael, I hope you get all of the handguns and rifles that you want for Christmas this year. And if you don't, hey, Christmas is always right around the corner. My name is Jason Dyes. His name is Michael Helms. He is a firearms historian, and you've been listening to Gun Show from Flintlock to Full Auto. And everything in between. Until next episode, you guys have a great holiday and Christmas season, and we'll talk to you soon. 